just do it. It doesn't matter if it's shitty. Put it out. Put something out. Anything. I, I struggle with it to this day where I like want to, you know, venture into a new space or do something different. And I always make the running the joke that like I put it in my notes, I get really excited. And then I start thinking about the execution. I get scared and I never do it. And it's like the only thing stopping you from doing it is that fear. Yeah. Right. So it's like, just do it. If it's shitty, it's shitty. And then, but it's just, it's the ground level. It's your first time. The next place is going to be better. You can only go up. Right. What is up and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This week we are sitting down with my friend Katie, or Rhea. She has a really cool story and this was a fun episode for me because this is a music-focused podcast. I love telling those stories from really any side of people in music. However, there are certain friends of mine, certain people that I feel align so similarly. They have these creative paths. They view the world in this like entrepreneurial, make things go right, make your own brand. And I feel like that aligns so closely with what this podcast is that there are the exceptions where I say, okay, maybe you're not necessarily in music, but you need to be on this show. So she comes from a world of building a personality as a YouTuber, then going and working at Playboy, and now has a sex and relationship podcast called Was That Good For You, which I was a guest on and had a ton of fun. So all around, she has this incredible story, built this entire name and brand for herself. And I had known her as a friend, but really didn't know her story. So it was this super fun experience to sit down and really hear about it and hearing about the amount of risks she took or, or really just like the amount of things she's done to get to where she's at was incredible. So it was a really fun episode. And I think there's a lot of inspiration there. I think that there's a lot of parallels to just smart people who work hard. So it's a story that I really loved. I think you will as well. Outside of that, the only thing I ever ask and say is if you like this podcast, if you like this episode, share it, tell your friends and rate and review it. It helps me grow this so, so much. It helps other people discover it and find it. It's the biggest help, the biggest favor that you can do for me. And it, it really does mean a lot. So if you do like it, I am at Andrew underscore FTW and she is Rhea Carmona. R-A-Y-A-C-A-R-M-O-N-A. You can also find her podcast literally wherever podcasts are found and on YouTube. And the podcast is Was That Good For You? I think that says it all. Let's get into the episode. Here we go. Here we are. Where are all my friends? I am sitting down with Katie or Rhea. And this is a cool one because I was on your podcast a couple yes. months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different podcast from mine, but I've been having a lot of fun just as a guest going and doing another show. Right. But there was like this thing when like we're, we've been friends. Yeah. And I feel like both of us kind of have just like that. I don't know, like I don't want to sound cheesy, but like that hustle mentality of just like for sure do your own thing, build your own brand, work hard, kind of find your lane. So even though you have an entirely different podcast, it was really fun to go and be a guest and see how you do it. And you're a really good podcast host. Thank you. So I was like, yo, come to Aware All My Friends. Tell me your story. I don't care that you're not directly in music. You have made your own brand and you have that like. Hell yes. I love to hear that. And that's it's funny, too, because our podcast was 
one of my favorites. Yeah, that was It fun. was such a good one. We had like great chemistry. And again, it's like you're the same as I'm not in music. You're not in you're not in the sex space. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know what I mean? And that one like was went so well. People loved it. It was great. Yeah. That was fun for me too because people hit me up and they're like, um, I heard you on the sex and relationship podcast. <laughs> what? And I was like, Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. It was super rad. It was great. It was a good one. Yeah. So thank you for having me on that. Of course. Thanks for having me on yours. Here we are. Here we are. So what I like to do is for anybody that doesn't know who you are, give like a brief explanation of what you're up to, who you are and what you do. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I'm an internet person, as I like to say. Yeah. Um, I have been in it for a long time. I started my YouTube channel in 2011, which was a totally different space. Um yeah, YouTube, yeah, was a huge thing. And I, I got very lucky to get into it then because it was actually quite easy. It was really easy to just kind of like randomly get big versus now it, it's like very much a business. Yeah. And before it was just like idiots making YouTube videos and like other idiots liked watching it. And then one yeah. day you were a YouTuber. Yeah, that's kind of funny you say that. It wasn't as like saturated, right? No, oh, oh, not at all. It was, it was, if you started a YouTube channel and you were consistent and you made enough videos, you could pretty much gain an audience. Mm -hmm. versus now it's like you have to just be insanely clickbaity or like be constantly collabing with other big YouTubers and like have like a management that's like pushing your stuff out. It's like, it's so much more of a business versus then it was just like, I was bored and I was in like a, a freshman in college and I started making fun YouTube videos. And then one day I woke up and hundreds of thousands of people decided they all, they liked watching my stupid YouTube videos. Oh my God. We have to get into this. So you had like a moment where it was like an overnight moment. Pretty thing? much. Yeah. Over the course of a few months, I was at like half a million. Okay, I'm coming yeah. back to this. So you started as an internet person. I started as an internet person. Um, I was a quote unquote YouTuber full time for like seven years. Whoa. Yeah, um, which is amazing. But I'm sure uh, as you can relate to freelance, it just gives you a lot of anxiety. And it's like, it's just hard, especially as a YouTuber, because I, it's like, do, am I going to get enough brand deals to pay rent this month? And some months it's enough to pay rent four times over. And sometimes it's like just enough to scrape by. And that's, I think, just the nature of freelance. Um, but I think there's an added element of stress when not only are you freelance, but you are camera facing. Cause it's like, I have to be on today. I feel sad, but like, I need to pay bills. So like, I have to be like, Hey guys, what's up? My name is Ryan. Today we're going to be, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. That's something that you don't realize until you have to do it. Cause yes. even like, even podcasting, right? yeah. you're not like cutting it up and you're not like on, on mm -hmm. still, you have to have a conversation and like that much energy to be your best self every day. Like sometimes you have bad days. You do. Yeah. And I like, I understand it so much more. And the friends that I have are like, I, I actually can't imagine that for it's, that It's long. tough. It's tough. And so um, as much as I loved YouTube, I think especially, I mean, the internet's constantly changing, right? But especially YouTube is just like every year, I feel like it's like a different space. Yeah. And after a certain amount of years, I just started to outgrow it a bit. Not that I don't love YouTube and respect it and it'll always have a you know, space in my heart and I still upload my podcast videos to YouTube. Um, but it was just time for a change. Yeah. And... Um, I had always had a really high male audience. Yeah. Um, I started off weirdly enough dabbling in like some gaming stuff. And oh, I just, okay. I always just had a really high male audience. And so that kind of like changed the scope of my channel in the sense that like I was this older female. I had a young male audience. They started just naturally asking me a lot of advice questions, a lot of relationship and sex advice. And I wasn't an expert by any means, but I was just able to kind of frankly and openly be like, well, this is like what I know and what my girlfriends know. 
And then when I decided I kind of wanted to move out of YouTube, I was able to weirdly enough parlay being a relationship YouTuber into running social media at Playboy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I walked in. I actually snuck into the Playboy offices. I walked into the lobby and I was like, hey, I'm here. I have a meeting at Playboy. And they're like, sure, go up to the eighth floor. They no buzzed me up. Um, and I walked in and I happened to get a really nice receptionist. And I was like, here's my resume, which by the way, my resume said digital producer. That's what I, that's my, what I decided to write as a YouTuber, um, listed all like my biggest videos that had like a million views or whatever, basically branded myself as like a sex and sexuality digital producer, quote unquote, a YouTuber. Um, she was nice enough to hand it off to the right people. Um, and I was able to land a job at Playboy. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that okay. they just liked that I had a pulse on the internet and that I was comfortable in sex. That's fucking incredible. Because I want to go, I, I want to deep dive into these. So yeah. you do that, but then I also know now, obviously, like a huge thing that you're doing, the main focus is the podcast. Yeah. So tell me quickly about that, and then I want to go back and like get into yeah, some of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, I I learned so much in sex and sexuality at Playboy, and I and I loved it, and I've always loved that. And so after a while, you know, I'd done the corporate stuff and and whatever, but I still had this like need to create my own thing mm-hmm. um, and just like nurture a, a creative baby of my own again. As fun as it is making stuff for other people, it's just not the same as making stuff for yourself, of course. Yeah. And so I hit up my, saw my management at YouTube and stuff. And so I was like, Hey, I want to, I think I want to dive back into YouTube. I want to, um, kind of come at it with a more mature angle. I've aged, I've changed. And I think that I want that to reflect. And I kind of want to do podcast style videos where I talk about sex and they were like, well, you could do a podcast. (laughs) And I was like, yes, that's true. And lucky enough, they have a whole studio and it's this whole thing. And so they were like, dude, all you have to do is come in and We'll figure it out and we'll help you brand it and whatever. And was that good for you was born. Was that good for you? Yeah. So. And it was great for me. And that's really <laughs> a huge thing. <laughs> I just I started talking. And I was like, wait a minute. That's funny. <laughs> I see that. So, and that brings you to pretty much now. Yeah. All right. So for the sake of this podcast and because I'm so interested and almost obsessed with like where that comes from, right? Like, what is it about people that have that path or that drive to go do something different from a nine to five or whatever? Yeah. So take me back to like the days of like, where did you grow up? Miami. Miami. Yes. Oh, what? We're both born in Miami. I think we talked yeah, about Yeah, we this. have. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't stay there for long. I ended up moving to Tampa when I was like two. Got it. I <laughs> born and raised in Miami, went straight from there to LA when I moved here five years ago. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. So you just answered that. So- Life was in Miami Life up until was in Miami. five years ago, being what, like 2014? Mm-hmm. Well, so you had started on YouTube before you even got to LA. Oh, yeah. Oh, YouTube whoa. afforded me the luxury of being able to move to LA, oh, actually. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So, what was life like? I guess, like, where's that moment where you're like in school or whatever it is? Like, where's that moment? where you kind of start thinking like, damn, what if I started making videos on YouTube or like where, like, where was that spark where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do just this nine to five thing or was that even an idea? So growing up uh, in Miami, I guess growing up anywhere besides LA, it's like, there's definitely a good portion of your life. I feel like where the idea of doing anything creative sounds crazy. Yes. Um, near impossible. And so for most of my life I grew up, I was actually, I was in college. I was pre-law. Yeah. Whoa. My father's a lawyer. 
And I, I think in my head, to be honest, I was, I don't know, it was a little bit like brainwash is a strong word, but I was like, high school, do good on the SATs, go to a good college, get a scholarship because I'm poor as hell. And what, what makes money? Doctor or lawyer? Well, I suck at math. I great at English. Cool. Lawyer. It was just yeah. like, it was that simple. I don't think it's brainwashed. I think that it's just like, you don't realize that other paths are available. Yeah. Right? And other like, paths that are, to be honest, a lot more fun. Yes. Like. <laughs> For real. So much more fun. Like the fact there's, I, I wish that somebody would have like taken me in high school and been like, just so you know, you can make money in like cool ways and you can make a lot of money and you could honestly work less. Yeah. Like not that doing creative things isn't incredibly hard work, but like you can have more free time and you can work for yourself, but you don't need to be like clocking in and working nine hours a day yeah. to make a lot of money. But there's something in your head. I think that's like to make money, you have to work. You have to, you know, and my, I had this whole plan. I'm going to, I'm going to write for whatever law journal in college. And then that'll get me hopefully an internship. And then I'll get, I'll start off as, you know, an associate, a law firm, work my way up to partner. It's like, it doesn't need to be that hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think like the internet, because there are certainly a ton of people on the internet that are trying to finesse it or not even finesse, but like trying to find that hustle and trying to do whatever and it doesn't hit. So it's not just like, oh, find something fun and then you're set. But I think that, I don't know, like it's only the last couple generations where you can be creative and have such a platform where you can find an audience. And that's the thing is, again, it doesn't happen for everyone, but it is so much easier than it used to be. Like to be a musician and to make money off of music, to be a producer, to be, to host a podcast, to make videos, to act. It's like, you can put your, you can act in 20 short films that you find on the internet. And 20 years ago, it's like, there's a very high chance that nothing will come of that. But like, there's still a high chance nothing will come of that. But now you can put that reel on YouTube and you can grow your social media following and you can get, you know what I mean? It's like, and you can, get invited to these events and like, it's just, it's so much easier. It honestly is so much easier to make money as a creative than it used to be. It's easier than ever because you're able to build your own brand versus having to rely on somebody yeah, else to build like it Yeah, like the work you. ethic and the work doesn't change. You still have to have that, yes. but the opportunity and the platform. The opportunity and the platform are, are there and it's, it's, and it's easier than ever to, to find talent too. It's like, there are people I can say that wouldn't be famous now if it wasn't for the internet and those people always deserved it they always had the talent but like who knows if they would have gotten quote unquote discovered if it wasn't for the internet yeah so i feel like that's changing so much so okay so you're in school you're planning to do law yeah and youtube is a very not a very new thing but a relatively new thing yeah um and i'm out of boredom i was dating a guy who was like a little bit more techie And so he was like, yeah, you should do it. Like, you're funny. You know, I've always kind of been like a funny, loud personality type of person. And so he's like, you should do it. Like, why not? And I actually started and I, my first videos are on the built-in camera of like an old Mac. Oh yeah. Like the, the, it's not iMovie. It's like the photo booth. Yeah. Photo booth. Yeah. I literally made my videos in photo booth. Yeah. And it would still be cut up. Like if I, if I like, you know, messed up, I'd stop and I'd start again. And then I would drag like 10 photo booth clips uh, onto the desktop and import them in iMovie and just splice them together and upload it. Wow. No audio, nothing, just photo booth videos. Yeah. And that's how easy, that's kind of how easy it was at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, I I was funny and I put my video, I put myself out there and that was enough in 2011 to kind of like spark people's interest in me. Yeah. Um, but I also kind of loved gaming at the time, weirdly enough. And so it was like, what were you playing? 
Honestly, a lot of first-person shooter games. Really? Yeah, a little bit of COD, a little bit of Halo. Dang. Um, but I was also doing these face these front-facing videos, and I think that was a little bit unique, too, was I was a female. Mm, yeah. um, and so, although I didn't do the gaming for a long time, I gained this giant male audience. Like, for 90% of my career, career as an internet person, I had, like, a 95% male audience. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was it, like... How far into it, because you're going to college, like where was there a turning point where you're like, wait a minute? Yeah. So I was uh, my my job on the side was I was actually I had done a lot of jobs. I've I've um, bartended weddings and I've worked at sports bars and whatever. Um, if you're from Florida, you'll know this. I worked at Tijuana Flats for a good amount of time. Is that, is that sparking some Florida memories for you? <laughs> you don't understand. I have a list of restaurants in Florida that I have to go to when I go back. Tijuana like, Flats for me is immediate. It's so I need those good. flautas. It's so fucking I need good. The, <laughs> the cookie dough flautas Cookie dough flautas. Yeah, I'd be in the back eating those while I was working. Yeah, Fuck I worked at Tijuana Flats for like a year. <laughs> it's not authentic Mexican at all. I don't care. But it's like whatever that genre of like American Mexican, yeah. whatever that is, mm -hmm. it is the best. It's my, it's, I would go as far as to say it's my favorite Mexican. It's my favorite Mexican. To be honestly, honest. honestly, I don't I'll care say that it. it's cheap. I don't care that it's Americanized. I don't care that there's like probably some very fancy Mexican place here in LA. I don't care. I ride so hard for Tijuana Flats. I fuck with you. And I love this right now because I can't explain this to anybody because nobody who's not like, you have to be like on the East coast to know what it is. You so nobody out here knows. I have, tweeted them before begging them they need to come to the west coast i know and they like they like oddly florida specific they won't branch out i, I know but yeah. they would do well yeah they fucking will. i hate chipotle it's, i'm tired of it i especially want especially if flats. you had t-flats yes. at least for people that haven't had t-flats they can eat chipotle and be like well right they don't know any better they don't know but we know they don't the queso <laughs> on the side oh that Dip the flour queso. in that queso <sighs> Don't even, I can't even, oh my God, yeah. See, wait, the crushed so you, ice, ooh. The sweet tea. <laughs> this is actually, fuck your story, fuck any of this, fuck the inspiration. Let's just spend another 30 minutes talking about. Do you want a flat? I can do that, flats. to be honest. <laughs> wow, we have just pivoted. Yeah, but Damn, so. Uh, yeah, so I worked at all these places. Uh, and when I was making YouTube videos, I was a personal assistant to a doctor. Whoa. Yeah, she like owned her own, she was like um. What's it called when they help you? You just had it for your leg. Orthopedic. No, like a physical therapist. Oh, phys yeah, yeah. She was a physical therapist, but she had her own whole place that had like eight physical therapists under it. So she was very busy. Oh, damn. Um, so and she, so I was her personal assistant. She was like, she was yeah, dialed. She, she had yes. her lane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and not exaggerating, I think probably three months in, I was able to quit. Whoa. Yeah. They, they were mad. They were, YouTube at the time was starting to match my my pay there. off of internal like YouTube monetization. Yeah. yeah. Because that deals. was, Oh, okay. So brand deals were happening. What year is that? Like 2011. Oh, brand deals were happening. Yeah. Really? Oh Cause yeah. I guess my, like my relation to YouTube was with set it off. Okay. Cody started by doing acoustic covers oh, and okay. covers and he had gotten a following. Yes. Then like the beginning of the fan base of set it off was YouTube. And that was like 2008. Okay. So by 2011, I remember like YouTube was a very real thing. Yeah. It feels like forever ago now, but I guess, yeah. Like it by was, people were making a lot of money off of it. There was In fact, a, people were making more money off monetization then than we are now. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, for a lot of reasons. But a fun fact about monetization is 
when YouTubers first started to become a big thing, all these MCNs were picking them up, right? And they're like, we want to represent you and blah, blah, blah. And like YouTube networks were becoming a thing. And back in the old days, your CPM um, was constantly rising, right? Rising and going down, depending on, you know, of course, a million things, how long people were watching your video and how many views and if it ended up in the popular page or whatever. Yeah. So, um, your cost per view was going from literally sometimes it was like $2, sometimes it was as high as like $15 and you could make like a shit ton of money off of one video. And so these oh, networks were coming to YouTubers and they were basically giving you a set CPM, which it's like if they thought that you were going to be huge, they'd be like, sign this contract for a year, we'll pay you a $6 CPM. Oh, uh, they would just run your averages. Right. Which was terrible for them. It was like, terrible for the networks? Yeah. You say you were saying MCM? Yeah. MCN. De- MCN. What's that stand like, for? It's just like a, a YouTube network. Like the people, like at Studio 71 or whatever, who like oh, represents YouTubers. Something creative network? Yeah. Probably. Sure. Yes. I don't even <laughs> fucking know, to be honest. I don't even, know. They don't even another... call them MCNs anymore. I feel like okay. that's what they used to call them. Okay. But it's like the network that signs. The network that signs yeah. YouTubers. Okay. And because like this was during that the time which is literally goes up to present day where like youtube is still figuring out monetization that was just like a terrible business model for them and they had to cut that off but youtubers made a shit ton of money during oh, that time so there was this sweet spot where companies were like we need to get involved yeah, with these kids yeah. and whatever it takes and you had and like they were paying, any and they were creator signing, like wild signing bonuses like it was it was insane what people were spending on on youtubers at the you time. know what i think is happening like a similar parallel right now is kids like artists will have a song go viral on TikTok uh-huh. right now. And if you have one song hit, like every major label is just like sign them. Oh yeah. Sign I was them now. Just talking about this with another friend of mine who's in music who's like, these these um labels are like ridiculous. It's like they're it's like all it took was Old Town Road to go viral. And yeah. now they they think that every fucking TikToker is gonna make them billions of dollars. And it's like it feels but that's like the a nature similar... of, of the internet where it's like you just have to kind of jump on the bandwagon yeah. with the new thing and hope that you get in early enough to make a buck yeah. before the next big thing takes off. But this feels like a similar parallel, like where 100%. you were a creator at the right time, yes. where like companies are like, We need to get involved, yes. and you're like, pay me, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Sick. Exactly. So then got to a point where like a year in I was making like an insane like more money than I should have been making at that age I never had made a lot of I grew up insanely insanely poor yeah and it's like I I had never I I I couldn't even fathom this this life I I shopped a lot because I did not understand <laughs> yeah like what was like you're like obviously we grow up and like things change whatever but like when you were first just like getting checks yeah. like what was your flex like where were you like I, I'm fucking I was rich. at Neiman Marcus like once a week at Tight. least like I had sales associates who I like had their phone numbers and they were like constantly texting like this new bag came in this new Chanel bag came in like blah 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 because they like knew I could spend like that's where I was. That's that was also, your. Also, in my in uh, with that being said, I lived at home because I was in college, so yeah. I had it was total. My dis- income was one hundred percent disposable. Did your parents start to realize like uh, our daughter is balling? Yeah, my dad. My dad did not understand. I have a single dad. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand. He doesn't understand. Still to this day, doesn't understand the internet. But he was just <laughs> like, okay. Um, like whenever like we my little my brother's younger than me and I like have very vivid memories of us being at his like lacrosse games or something and like parents being like so what do you do and and me being like oh god here we go because like especially then people did not understand no. and my dad would be like yeah she makes videos on the internet yes it's the insane. internet and she goes by a different name 
And she just makes these videos and they pay her lots of money. Like that's how my dad probably, um, to be honest, would still describe it today. <laughs> Incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So that's, and like, we're still in like 2011. Uh, like no, when we're did like you 2013. S- oh, okay. So yeah. you signed to a network when? Um, I signed to a network really, really quickly, really early on, probably like six months in. Okay. Um, but the, uh, the net, the network contracts are always a year long. So every year I'd kind of shop myself out and see who was giving signing oh, bonuses, dang. who wanted to steal me. Um, so you kind of like figured out your little finesse. I did. It, it actually taught me a lot about business because the thing is That's you huge. just have to do it all yourself. And a lot of these YouTubers started off as kids yeah. and they have to read these contracts and like figure it out. You know what I mean? And and so I learned a lot about business, learned a lot about negotiation. Um, and then in 2014, at this point, I um, was about to finish college. Fun fact, I tell people I have an English degree. Um, I'm actually one elective away and I dropped out. <laughs> wow. You know what's crazy <laughs> is I did I've, the legwork. So I'm, I still like to say I have a degree and I think I deserve it. Let's talk about this for a second because I agree with you. And I feel like when I like my resume, if I'm ever talking, is some college, right? right? When you're getting your insurance quotes or any of the times yes. where that ever comes up. Yes. No one checks any of that. No one checks any of it. When have you ever claimed that and somebody like that's great we're very impressed everything checks out let's just see your printed degree yeah never never in a million years somebody's gonna listen or watch this and be like that's not true i had this this and this and i got certain but i'm sure it's happened sometimes but (laughs) yeah so i completely understand and to be honest if they tried to check me i'd be honest i'd be like i don't actually have a degree i'm one elective i'm one elective away i did all of the english classes i wrote thousands of papers like i I have a degree. Yeah. Just yes, because I didn't you take do. intro to bowling. Yes. I'm not going to let that hinder me. I, I will eventually take that elective out here and just, you know, just to transfer it over just to have the degree. Of course, as I'm sure you know, being an, a creative, it drives my dad up the wall that I didn't finish college, especially with one elective. You got so close because, so, yeah. yeah, you're saying like you were making money. You didn't have to finish, right? Like, right, there was right, a right. But I was like, I, I was on full scholarship and I'd gotten so far. But then, you know, I moved to LA and I think I did a full semester out here. And it was like very hard is very before it's like, again, I was living at home and I like just made my videos and then I went to school and then you move out here and it's like, I was moving out here for the first time and I was meeting new people and I was like networking and it was just like a very, I was doing adult things for the first time and like doing that on top of school was really, really hard. Yeah. And I had to do it fully online because I was still enrolled in the college I went to in Florida. And so I finished that semester. I think I like got all like C's because it's like. It was the first time that I like was distracted and then I kind of just fell off with one elective left. And you probably by that time, like that's an interesting time to move. Like you clearly must have known like this is my path. Well, at that point, I for like a year before that, for all of 2013, basically, I was a quote unquote big YouTuber at the time. That number now is nowhere near what a big youtuber means now but at the time i was considered a big youtuber like a top hundred or like a, definitely okay i was like a household name to people who watched youtube for sure damn okay i was like friends with pewdiepie before he like oh all right like because all right. he came in really young too so it's like you know what i mean everybody kind of knew each other yeah um and so i was coming to la like two three times a month oh just because like out of necessity out of like necessity. brands yeah, and brands meetings and, and exactly and all this stuff was happening and this is also when a lot of the um 
traditional talent managers were trying to scoop up YouTubers. Oh. So I was like signed with UTA and stuff. Oh. Like I was like doing all this big stuff. And I was coming out here so much, spending so much money on flights and hotels. Flying, even flying home to Miami now is like so expensive. Like yeah. it's insane. So like doing that two, three times a month plus hotels was just like getting to be too much. And you're just like college does not make sense right now. College doesn't make sense. Like I know I'm not going to super use this degree. Um, I was making a lot of money. So, and I was like starting to like have a lot of friends out here. Like it was starting to, my life was already kind of like becoming LA. Yeah. And so I just, I actually, I came here the summer of 20, the summer of 2014. Oh, okay. Uh, I got um like a six week, uh, not an Airbnb, but like a sublet yeah. on Craigslist. Yeah. Um, the guy was like going to be out of town or whatever. And, and I never went back. I called my dad for like four weeks and he knew he was like, you're staying. And I was like, I'm staying. And Damn. I, and I, I went back, I packed a couple more bags and then I had the rest shipped here. Whoa. I had my car shipped here and everything. And like within two weeks I was fully. Wow. Yeah. And at that time, like, I would assume that that felt very right. Like if oh, you, the writing was on the and wall. And I had also like, fallen in love oh. uh, with my now ex, but he was from California and he lived out here and he was also doing YouTube stuff. And like, I was just getting very settled already into this life. And like, especially when you have like a, a person, it, it really makes that move a lot yeah. easier. So I would have always moved to LA, but like all of that stuff just really kind of was a catalyst for it to happen. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So like it, none of it like... It, it, it progress. It was a natural progression. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. What was changing in that time though? Cause like obviously now YouTube has changed so much, but like for you, was it still the same content? Were you upgrading gear? Were you collaborating? Like I, I'm just always so curious. Of, yeah. Those are special moments and that energy. And it's like kind of that first taste of success and that mm -hmm. grind. And like, it's really fun for me to reflect back on that. Yeah. Well, it's fun, but it was also really hard yeah. because it was constantly changing. So I was constantly in the state of like, I need to be on the up and up of like, what's going on next? And like, what's, what's trending right now? Like what, what, uh, you know, what, what challenge can I jump in on and, oh. and hope that it goes viral? And it's like, so it was like very, very stressful. It was a very, very, very hectic. stressful. It's actually re soon after that I started seeing a therapist. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so with that success and like as you're coming up, it was just like new levels, new devils, like all 100%, sorts. percent. Because again, there's always like some trending thing that you have to be like the first one in. And like this was around the time of like challenges, right? It's like the cinnamon challenge oh. and all that stuff. And it's like the ice bucket challenge. It's like I got to get it up in the next two days or I'm going to miss that window of, of being – It's it's – it was very stressful. And also for someone who had done YouTube for so long and had kind of like coasted when YouTube starts to change. And also being a YouTuber for that long is hard because to this day, like I could open up Instagram right now and show you comments in my last week of photos that say, I miss the old you. I miss the way you used to be, blah, blah. And it's like, I wasn't, I'm, I'm 26. Yeah. I'm so sorry that I'm not the same person when I was 19. Yeah. Like, but nobody is, you know, right. I'm a different person every month. Like we're in this very pivotal moment of like this age range of your twenties where like you're constantly changing and evolving, yeah. but you grow this following of people that fall in love with a certain you yeah. and expect you to stay that person. That's a fucked up double standard to think about it's, too. It's really tough. Because I feel like I've been like, that was one of the hardest parts of my youth or growing up was like being afraid to change yourself as a person. Right. Yeah. And you don't really know, like it's yeah. your own identity crisis. And you're like, is this cool? Can I do this? Can yeah, I express 100%. myself this way? Do I associate with these people? I don't think this is cool anymore, but I'm stuck. So like, I think everybody deals with that. hundred percent. To have 
a day, a video a day, I would assume, or something like that of you being a certain way. And, and then as you grow and you progress yeah. to have people be like, fuck you for that. Yeah. It was really tough. And not only that, not only was I getting the backlash of people, but the views. It's like if I did a video I loved, but it was more of who I was now and not who I was before, views did terrible. So it's also like, do I sell my soul because I need to eat this month? Wow. That's heavy to be like, to have that amount of success and money and like it's coming up and then you're starting to realize like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So where does that pivot again? Like, what were you starting to feel or like, where, where do things change up again? So at that point I was like, I don't know what else, what I want to do next. I know I'm not happy. Yeah. So I started thinking about brands that I love uh -huh. that I had no experience in, but that I loved. Yeah. And trying to find something, anything. I basically, let's, let's say I had 20 brands, dream brands. I wrote them all down yeah. that I would, that I thought I would love to work for. I'd never really had a big boy job. I had always been a YouTuber. Right. I was very spoiled by that. Yeah. Like um, you had the side, like you had the hustles, like the T flats and the personal assistant. But right. Like, but I never had like a big boy, a nine to five. Right. You know what I mean? And so, and I was also a kid. It's like, those are part times. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, as, as much as YouTube is hard, I was spoiled. You know, you make a video a day, but it takes an hour and then you're done. Like I yeah. chilled for eight years. Damn. And so I wrote down all these brands that I love and I basically just constantly was checking LinkedIn and all these profiles and, and people who worked there and their website, anything that I thought kind of matched my talents as a youtuber yeah. which basically meant i understand social media yeah um i understand pop culture yep. i have really have my finger on the pulse when it comes to trending things and that's pretty much it and i think i'm creative and a good people person i mean all of that is extremely valuable it but is but also with social media it's like you have to have like worked at an agency or like really built social for a brand it's, you know, jobs out here, everybody, jobs everywhere. But like, so it was really hard for a while. I probably applied. And again, I'm still making money off of YouTube. So I'm just applying casually, but I applied yeah. to like a shit ton of places. Just kind of like, let's see what happens. Yeah. And then a job opened up for something at Playboy. And I am a huge fan of Playboy. I'd been my whole life. Yeah. Um, big fan of like the bunny and just everything the brand stood for. Um, and at this point, because I had such a high male audience, I was doing a lot of sex and relationship advice. Oh, this is important. Yeah. So while you're YouTube, like as you are growing as a YouTuber and you are this public everyday uploading, your content had started shifting into sex and relationship yes, advice. Yes, because okay. I was just naturally getting a ton of questions. Yeah. I had 95% male audience. I'm a slightly older female. Um, and so the questions just came in. All my biggest series were based around that. They were like Q and A's. And you're like fun. Like you're like very fun to talk to about that. Very open, very, very open charismatic. Too. And like, so. I, yeah. And so, and also to be honest, it like was great for clickbait. You know what I oh, mean? Being able yeah. to put stuff like that in the in the in the uh, title or whatever, and so I did a lot of that. I I had this ridiculous series where I would um, I would open my Snapchat to the public for like twenty four hours, and I would let all my fans know, and then I would open them live on camera. It was like eighty percent dick pics. <laughs> I was gonna ask. I was like, "What's the craziest thing?" And I'm like, "Do I even need to ask?" No, it's you just don't need to ask. But it was like a picks. really fun. People loved seeing my reaction, of course, and whatever. And um, so yeah, I had kind of inadvertently become this like little mini sexpert. Yeah. You know, and and again, I don't have any like training in that or anything in sex psychology, but I was just coming at it from like a 
you know, oh, I don't know, like, if my girlfriend likes this. Okay, well, like, ask her. Because, like, whatever you're doing obviously isn't working. And, like, if you're rubbing the inside of her leg and you're like, ooh, baby, are you coming? Like, it's you're probably not. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just coming at it from, like, a very candid, Very, like, common place. sense. Common, what do I exactly. think of Like, this? I'm a girl and this is what I like. Yeah. So, yeah, take yeah. that. Do what you, what you want with it. Okay, so that's sick. So you, like, in that from YouTube, just kind of going where your questions were ask like people are asking questions you're going with the flow yeah you're humoring it and you're trying your best yeah kind of like had a really nice little niche there for sure oh 100 cool. so playboy makes a lot of sense exactly. you respect the brand yeah, yeah. It, it all made sense um so i yeah i snuck into playboy um finessed my way in there and i I got incredibly lucky that the receptionist was nice enough to give my resume to the right people. And those right people happened to think it was interesting that I had this kind of unique experience. Um, I think that they respected that I had built my brand up to a certain amount of people. Um, and they took a chance on me. And did they know you snuck in? They, yes, they did. And to be honest, I don't want to, I'm not, anybody who's listening, I'm not saying, I'm giving you advice to sneak into places. But I think it was a big reason why I was hired. I was going to say. People, everybody loved it. Like when I remember when I went to HR after I had uh, accepted the job and he was like, oh, you're the one who snuck in. It was like, I was like the golden child. Everybody thought it was like this adorable, endearing, amazing thing. Yep. The pe they ate it up. Well, I just feel like that <laughs> says something for like, it represents more. Like that says a lot about you in a good way of like, it's so easy to idolize all these jobs yeah. and you had struck out with so many resumes. Yeah. And then it's like those people that take those risks or get creative with an idea or like that gets rewarded. For sure. And like, I, you know, like I'm not saying break every rule, but it is funny to like reflect back on life and be like, oh, damn, that probably wouldn't have happened if I was so conservative. Or For like sure. Right by the I would door. not have gotten that job. So that's sick. Like, yeah. I love that. And yeah. I think that those moments are different for everyone. Right. Yeah. Like you can't be like, well, Katie snuck into Playboy. So yeah. that's how I'm going to get a job. But like, that's something right. Yeah, like find sure. your that. 100%. So you get it. You get so the I job. So I did it and I got the job. Um, I worked very briefly as an associate producer on the Playboy TV side. Um, and so just like helping out creatively with like concepts and and doing some producing. I produced a, helped produce a couple of their TV shows. You can catch them on Playboy TV. Damn. Um, yeah. So you kind of uh, leveled up. I actually wrote up. a couple episodes for a couple of the shows. Yeah, I have some writing credits under my belt. Where did that come? Like, was that just you being like, I'll take a crack at it? Yeah. Fucking well, the sick. great thing uh, about... Playboy even now, but uh, a couple years ago when I got in is that they were in such a big transition. Yes. Half had just died. Yes. And they were kind of, they were pivoting to um, more artistic. They yes. They had just gone through that uh, stint with no nudity and they had gotten back to nudity. They were just like in a very traditional place, which was great for me because they were like, yeah, we're, I mean, we're test, we're testing everything. We're changing everything. Like you want to write an episode? Cool. Let's see how it does. Like you want to work here? Fuck. Well, yeah, cool. Like, let's see how that goes. Look at you being at all of these incredible time periods. Very lucky. Very, very, very lucky. That's fucking Not to sick. be that bitch, but like, there's this thing, I don't know what exactly it's called, but it's like a, a leg of astrology. And it's like, uh, you're either, a something, something or like a manifester. And uh, I got like a reading recently and she was like, oh, you're, according to your birth chart, you're a manifester. And that basically means if you want something, it is going to happen for you. Sick. And I was like, oh, that does sound like me. Sometimes it doesn't always happen on the timeline I want it to. Yeah. But if I really want something, it happens. I never know what to call that, right? Like I, it's, 
call it astrology, call it whatever karma or energy, but I think that there's something there. Right? You like might be a manifester whole... too. You're a Taurus, aren't you? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's so no, funny. They're so fun. They're so fun. I, I'm always, it's so, I, I enjoy these conversations and I like not knowing because my friends that follow it are like, oh, a Scorpio are like, oh, it'll be yeah. like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. The guy I'm dating is a Gemini and I'm always like, oh, you're a Gemini, two face. <laughs> Those Gemini. I know what I'm going to get. And he's the same way. He's just like, I don't know what that means. I'm offended. But I don't know what it means. (laughs) Well, it's like it feels like sometimes you could be in anything. And if people want to paint you in a certain way, they'll be typical Gemini. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. Oh, for sure. For sure. What's your rising sign? Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course, that makes sense. Well, you're a Scorpio rising this. Right, right, right. Um, it's but fun to indulge, but yeah, so I got all these great timing, all this great stuff happened to me. Um, and then it's funny you said that I've never thought of it that way, but I, my next life kind of th- pivot is similar to that, which is, um, Cooper Hefner, who is a uh, son. He was the CMO of Playboy at the time. Um, he is super young. I think he's 27. And so he was just like super chill with everyone. He ate lunch with us and, and you could talk to him. He's our age. So it was just like a friend. Yeah. Um, and he, what's cool about having a CMO that young is he really understands social media and the power and understands like, he's not, he, he didn't look at me as just like some kid who's a YouTuber. He likes like, oh, she knows how to grow a brand. She understands social media. He completely like being totally. that age, he gets that it's more right. than just like internet. Versus some 40 year old who would right. have never, ever let me kind of maybe grow in yeah. that company. Yeah. Um, and he had followed my socials and stuff. And he really liked my, at this point at my, although my YouTube was like ridiculous and sexual, my Instagram was very like curated. It's more of like my art, my yeah. scrapbook. Yeah. And so he really liked that. And at the time they were going through a change on social. And so he was like, how do you, how about you uh, run our social media instead? Instead of being on the TV side. Fuck. A week after I accepted and changed positions, uh, the entire TV team got fired. Oh. Yeah. Do you think he knew and he yeah, was he looking did. out for you? A few people, like, I think were like, he threw you a life jacket with that. Yeah. For sure. What if you were like, nah, I like where I'm at. I know. Thanks, I know. Though. And to be honest, it was, it was great for me personally because I didn't like where I was at. I kind of thought that because I had made YouTube videos, I'd enjoy being a producer. And that was kind of like, okay, I'm starting off in the TV. Like maybe I'll work my way up and be like a TV producer. And then I realized I did not like it. I did not enjoy it at all. Whoa. Yeah. There's just too many producing is, is so it's creative, but it's also, it's like 50% being creative and 50% like making sure everybody's on their shit. And like a lot of like organization and, like, that's not me at all. Yeah. I just like want to make things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think directing would have probably been more for me. Um, but either way, I was kind of unhappy anyway. I think that there's a lesson in that too, where it's like somebody could look at you and be like, oh, cool. Like you had it figured out since day one of YouTube. But like to get to where you're at and to get to a spot where you're so comfortable and happy with yourself, like it takes so many so, tries of trying different yeah. things. So like so that's many cool. forks in the road, so much, so yeah. much trial and error. I had no idea that you went through all this. Yeah. Like legit. <laughs> like I'm like over here, I'm like, holy shit. I don't shit. even know if anybody does. This is might be the first time I've ever actually told this whole story to like an, an It's audience. cool. <laughs> I'm in it right now. Like I feel like I'm watching a movie. I'm like, go on. It's crazy. Um so you you take the social media job, I the, the life jacket has been acquired yes um and i i run social for a couple years at playboy and i love it um 
but there were a few things I didn't, one of which was, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but my commute there and back was an hour and a half each way. That'll suck the life out of you. It doesn't matter how much you love your job, how what good of a day you have. The second I got home, I was in a terrible mood yeah. because I just sat an hour and a half of traffic. Yeah. It was really diminishing my quality of life. Yeah. And as much as I love Playboy, the brand is amazing. It's still a corporate job. Yeah. It's a, it's a corporation. And I felt a little stifled. And also it's really hard to do your own thing yeah. when you're working so many hours and not only that, but it, you get off work and it takes you an hour and a half to get somewhere. Yeah. I could have never done the podcast. My studio is open regular hours. I would have never made it in time. Like I genuinely couldn't have done it. And so for those reasons, I was like, uh, I don't know. I just, I felt after a couple of years, I started to feel a little, um, I don't know. I just creatively lost. Yeah. You know, well, maybe that's even a good thing that it was with such a, brand that you respected too because then in your head you're not chasing being like oh well if i had the job at x company that i like even more it would be better you're like right. well if this is like the pinnacle if i love this but it's just realistically still a corporate job then that shows me that i need to go do my 100 percent. it was my dream company and i had become head of a department within two years with no other job experience i should have been fucking stoked yeah and i wasn't which is, again, like when you put it like that, like my conservative ass would be like, this is too much of a pivot. I'm just going to stay here. Right. Well, <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. I got, I ended up getting really lucky. Um, so I, as, as I still do my own creative stuff now, but I still have a job that helps me pay the bills. Oh, cool. Um, I was, after a couple of years, I was just trying to feel antsy and I got very lucky and a very small digital marketing agency startup reached out. Yeah. They offered me uh, more money. Whoa. They, my hours are 10 to four with work from home Fridays. That's great. Um, and it's walking distance to my house. Oh my God. So, okay. Yeah. And again, that's awesome. And that's cool that you have like, I don't know, like you went from such a well-respected brand to be like, damn, I have to pivot here, yeah. but still kind of found a way to make it work where you're doing something that you love. For sure. And it's like, it's crazy because now not to like sound conceited or anything, but like I having Playboy on your resume looks amazing. So I get Fuck hit up yeah. all the time from big brands now, especially now that I have years and years of real social media under my belt and marketing. Yeah. And I've worked at Playboy and all this stuff. I get hit up all the time by these huge brands, but it's like, now I know. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you offer me. It doesn't matter what salary you offer me. It doesn't matter that I get to say I'm working at Amazon or, or Apple. It doesn't matter. I get to work 10 to four. I get to work from home Friday. A couple of days ago, my boss was like, oh, we have to take a... Um, a work trip to San Francisco, let me know your schedule because I don't want it to conflict with your podcast. Impossible to find almost. That's insane. Anywhere else. So I don't care about any of those huge jobs. My most important thing is being able to work on my own stuff. Yeah. And having this job that I still get to do fun stuff. I art direct for four different brands and I like set up the shoots and I do social and stuff like that. And I get off at four and I can make my own stuff. That's sick. So tell me about your own stuff now because yes. I have the whole story and I understand where you came yes. from. And I think that like the podcast as we talk about it and as I like, you know, we talk a little bit about it before even the episode, like. Yeah, it's fun to be like, yeah, sex and relationship podcast. But I think it represents more than that for you. Oh, 100%. Because even through your story, you're like, if I'm not, like, it seems like you have this bit of integrity where you're like, if I'm not doing something that's meaningful to me, I can't do this. 100%. And I get I get very 
sad. Yeah. <laughs> like and, it very much affects me. And I feel like you're like on fire right now. Like I feel like you Thank have you. that like that grit and like even like being a guest on the show, like you're having so much fun. Like it doesn't <laughs> feel like you're like just doing it to go through the motions. Right, like it's right, something right. that you care about. So like, yeah, where did that inspiration come from? And like, what's the, like the bigger picture with that podcast? Yeah. So, um, I basically at that point was like, I think that's, that was the catalyst for me to want to get back and doing my own thing. And at this point I was already doing sex and relationship advice on YouTube and then Playboy like just made that tenfold. I f fell in love with sex and sexuality in that space. Yeah. Um, it's just constantly changing and changing in a really beautiful way. I mean, men are letting go of toxic masculinity and, and letting themselves be more open you know, to things and to the spectrum of sexuality and to, and just like, just to being more feminine and understand it doesn't necessarily make mean anything or yeah. women are owning their sexuality and posting whatever they want and like free the nipple, like all these beautiful things are happening in the sex and sexuality space. Um, and Playboy really kind of opened my eyes to that because of course they're such big advocates for all of that. Yeah. Um, and so after I left Playboy, I was like, I need to find a way to take this following I still have and my, this creative, I, I'm still very lucky to have that. It helps me. And this love that I guess was kind of always there with YouTube, but has been now, um, cultivated by, by Playboy. And I still had my management. And so they were like, you should do a podcast. We have a whole studio and you can come in and you can talk about whatever you want and we'll edit it for you and we'll market it and we'll do the branding. And you just come in and you talk about whatever you want and we, you'll have full creative control but we'll do all the legwork. Incredible. Very lucky. Again, wow. All this is about, there's a lot of luck here. <laughs> well, like luck backed by taking risks and putting in the time. I guess right? that's true. That's true. I think you create your own luck. Like I think that it starts, like there's like little signs and there's risks you take and like, you know, you get lucky and people don't say no to you right. sometimes, yeah. but then you have to follow through, right? Like we were saying in the beginning of the episode, the platforms there, the exposure can be found. Yeah. But if you don't ship the right product, like people aren't going to care. It's true. So you did all that right. That's true. That's true. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so was that good for you was born? Yeah. Um, and even then from, I feel like I've only been doing the podcast for six months and from the beginning to now, it's like still totally different because now I'm getting invited on panels and. Oh yeah, I'm, you did Comic-Con? I did Comic-Con and, and I'm, I'm just like talking more with people who are sex psychologists and who have been in the sex expert field longer than I have. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm, it's cool because it's like, they'll introduce me as like a sex expert or like, oh yeah, we got together these thought leaders in the sex space. And like, I'm one of them. And like, that's insanely cool. It's like, it feels like it's always where I was meant to be. And it's all kind of just happening now. Yeah. And it, it's beautiful because as much as I've always had a high male audience, um, that's changing. Yeah. I, my podcast, every guest is just a friend. Yeah. Um, and once in a while, it's somebody I don't know super well, but it's still, you know, a friend of a friend or yeah. whatever, a social media friend. And a lot of those of course are women. And so as, as much as it's interesting for a man to hear a woman talk about sex, I think now it's like these women are listening and they're calling in and they're emailing me and they're like, I feel comfortable now talking about sex because of this podcast or Thank you for talking about this. I d thought I was the only one. I thought I was weird. Yeah. And now I am now I know it's normal or now I feel more comfortable asking for what I want in bed or talking to my female friends about sex and like just opening that dialogue and understanding that doesn't make there's nothing wrong with me. It doesn't make me a slut, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Mm. It's it's OK. We're we're human beings and we enjoy pleasure. And I think pleasure is a really beautiful thing. And pleasure means something for every person. And I I want everybody to experience pleasure. 
that's it's just cool. And I, I think <laughs> that there's sometimes I forget that I'm lucky to have the friends that are so open and conversations. Oh, we're are in such like, a bubble in LA yeah. entertainment because everybody's so open. Exactly. Yeah. And like growing up, like I feel like we've both grown up with a lot of other creatives and a lot of people yeah. that don't really care and will talk about anything. Yes. But what I think is special about you doing a podcast like that is, I mean, I guess similar, like I like this idea because what if kids don't have mentors and they're trying to accomplish things in like an entrepreneurial make your own space kind of thing and you just need to hear from other people. So you're doing that where it's like now there's this platform where people that maybe don't have those friends that will talk about it have a podcast to listen to and have somebody that's like challenging people to talk about any different subject and have fun with it and like make it so normal and okay. Yeah. And Uh, not even in a political way, but like in general, I think I've realized too how kind of terrible sex education is yeah. for a lot of schools and communities and stuff like that. I didn't like even have it. I went to private Catholic school. I didn't have it either. Yeah. And so it's like, and it, it's important. It's so important. It'll fuck you up. Cause like, I remember for me, like it wasn't like, I was like, is this a bad thing? But it was just so awkward and so uh, yeah, taboo. Yeah. I, I had to this day, sometimes I still struggle with Catholic guilt. Yeah. It's a real thing. It's it, yeah. And so I think it's important too for like, I don't, again, consider myself a sex educator, but like if some girl doesn't understand, you know, whatever, virginity or, or, or masturbation or whatever, and doesn't have anywhere else to receive that, maybe can't talk to her parents about it, isn't, has, you know, sex education is subpar, yeah. maybe it'll help her to listen to my podcast and understand it a little bit better. Yeah. No, it's sick. And like, I just think that like, it, you're just building a community, right? Like yeah, you're building sure. something bigger and it's coming from a place like, it really feels like you don't, it doesn't feel like you have like a bias where you're pitching an agenda. You're more just like be yourself. For sure. And it's like you grew up figuring out yourself and yeah. now you deal with a bunch of comments being like, I miss the old you and you're like, fuck you. Like that's not, right. I am me. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. it feels like you're on another level accomplishing like the setting that example to other people that they can be themselves. And Thank you. I, I hope up. so. That's cool. <laughs> So the questions, I feel like to to conclude it, like we've told your story and it's incredible and the whole way I'm like, damn, this is crazy. <laughs> but I feel like two questions from kind of part different parts of your lives that I think you're very, um, I don't know, like qualified to answer. Also shouts to this car alarm. Yeah, it's wild loud. It's, in, it's incredibly consistent, right? Like <laughs> normally it goes for like a minute. Like this person <laughs> this is going to run there. They're going to need a new car battery because <laughs> this thing's fucking going off. Let's rip. Yeah, you thought we needed a metronome. We don't. No. We have this car alarm. <laughs> the cadence of this us. podcast is perfect. <laughs> um, but no, so the first one is if you are somebody and you are starting to, if you're at a spot where maybe you're in college, maybe you're at a spot and you think that you have like, I don't know, you're starting to try to do something creative. Yeah. Maybe you want to make a YouTube channel. Maybe you want to make a podcast. Like what's your advice to that person that doesn't really know the steps or they're like the early version of you? Where do you start or like what, what do you think? As cliche as it sounds and not to shout out Nike, but like, just do it. Wow. Just do it. It doesn't matter if it's shitty, put it out, put something out anything. I I struggle with it to this day where I like want to, you know, venture into a new space or do something different. And I always make the running, the joke that like, I put it in my notes, I get really excited. And then I start thinking about the execution. I get scared and I never do it. And it's like, the only thing stopping you from doing it is that fear. Yeah. Right. So it's like, just do it. If it's shitty, 
it's shitty. And then, but it's just, it's the ground level. It's your first time. The yeah. next place is going to be better. You can only go up, right? Yeah. So like my first videos were on photo booth and you know, now I have a studio. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to fuck. start somewhere. Right. Yeah. It's not like you just like manifest, like one day you're like, I want to create content. And somebody's like, I have a studio. Come right. through. Like, exactly. It's like people are like, oh man, I, I want to do this. But like my, my setup is shitty and I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, okay, well, are you, you think you're going to wake up in a year and one day you're going to have a million dollars and you're going to know what you're doing? Like, no, yeah. you have to work up to that. Yeah. That's cool. So like, just do it. Put, put, just put stuff out there. Just, just do it. Just put, if you want to make a video of, if you want to make a music video, hit up some terrible SoundCloud rapper with 200 followers and shoot it on your iPhone. Yeah. At least it's something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe your eye is really good and somebody sees you and is, you know what I mean? Or you save up and then you get like a T2I and it's, you know what I mean? It's like, it just, you just, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, to even trace that back to your story, you had a couple just do it moments where like you went further into corporate America life, just did it. And then realize that wasn't the way. For sure. So if you hadn't just done it, yeah. you'd be sitting here being like, what if or whatever. Oh, like, for sure. And that was terrifying too because it was like I knew that I wasn't going to have time for YouTube anymore. And like being on the internet, it's like you, you, if you have a following, it doesn't stay there forever. If you stop for a year, you're going to come back and you're not going to get those same views. You're going to get maybe a quarter of them. So I, I also had to like understand that I was kind of putting my old YouTube career to rest. Wow. And that's okay because it wasn't feeding me anymore. Yeah. And I get very comfortable. I, I do have that problem. I get comfortable really easy and I stay in things longer than I should or whatever. And um, it's my biggest fault. Yeah. Is, wow. is, is staying comfortable. I, Sometimes so, I have to just be pushed in the pool. <laughs> I fucking relate to that so heavily. Yeah. Damn. That answers it super well though. That's incredible. And I feel like that's pretty universal too, which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. So the other one is more on the side of like where you're at now. And it doesn't matter what sex you are, what sex you're into, or really even if it's about sex, but like just becoming comfortable with yourself. A hundred percent. Because I don't think it's just sex. Oh, it's not. It's not just sex. It's such it's, a struggle. It and is. people it's, can... I think so much of, so many, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, so many of our issues in sex, but also in relationships, and by relationships, I mean relationships with yourself, relationships with your partner, relationships with your friends, relationships with your family, stem from insecurity. Every, 99% of fights I've gotten in with a partner stem from insecurity. Yeah. And the relationships I know and the people I know that thrive are people who, everybody's insecure, we're human, but who can pinpoint it and understand I'm doing this out of insecurity or this fear stem. Fear, what we were just talking about. You're not, if somebody wants to do something and they don't, why? Because they're scared. Yeah. Everything that kind of hinders us at some point goes back to insecurity. And I think a big thing for the podcast is like letting people know, like there's no reason to feel insecure. There's no reason to feel insecure. At the end of the day, like the internet can be a scary, dark place, but also a cool thing about it is there is something for everyone. Wow. I have explored almost every single weird ass kink that exists. And let me tell you, you think you're alone? You are not. There's a <laughs> chat room for you. There's a Reddit thread for you. There's a Pornhub link for you. If you like it, it exists and a community likes it. Yeah. And whether it's quote unquote weird to society, sometimes all it takes is finding a couple other like-minded people who are like, oh, you like that weird thing? I like that weird thing too. And you instantly are like, oh, cool. I'm not alone in this world. Yeah. I just want people to know that they're not alone in this world. And a lot of times I think with sex and sexuality and relationships, you know, you like something a little bit weird or maybe you're struggling with your sexuality and it's like all it takes is for one person to be like, me too. And you instantly feel less alone in this world yeah. and less insecure. Yeah. And I think, again, that feeds into the rest of your life. Like if you're 
insecure in relationships and it's like you're fighting with your partner or your friendships or whatever it's like that's gonna affect you in other in other ways in your career and in everything yeah fuck that's so true that's a great answer damn thank you <laughs> You just, you just <laughs> fucking rocked those questions. That was Thank awesome. Thanks. I'm having a good day. I don't always say that well, I think. It's on fire. Let's go. I mean, that, like, that's it for me. Did I miss anything? Oh, like, no, I don't think so. We covered it all. I'm sorry if I talked for too long. I mean, that's kind of the point, but. right? Isn't it? <laughs> You know how it goes. I do know how it goes. It's funny being on the other end and being a little insecure. It's weird, right? Because like normally you can almost hide behind the questions or you can like you guide it and then like you can like gather your thoughts as your guest is speaking. But then when you're the guest, you're like, oh, I just have to be on. Like, yeah. Here comes like, me. Am I talking too much? Is this okay? Is everything fine? Yeah. Is everything okay? It's, but here we are just doing it. Yeah. So damn. Uh, thank you for joining me. This thank is you so much for having me. A couple podcasters out here oh, doing it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Well, sweet. That's a wrap for me. Great.